Welcome to State of America Chats. All right, everybody, welcome back to State of America Chats. Uh, it's been a while, actually, since we uh, have gotten to talk to everybody. We hope everybody is having a good spring. I know I am. Ian, the weather here is about 80 degrees and not a cloud in the sky. Yeah, it's uh, about the same here in the New York area, at least for right now. Touch and go this time of year. Yeah, it's nice. It's the <clears throat> it's my favorite time of the year, actually. Yeah, it's not too hot, not too cold. Yeah, it's like Goldilocks, yeah. just right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We get about two weeks of it down here, and then it becomes Dante's Inferno. Yeah, I don't. I do not uh, envy you for those southern summers. I've been down to uh, visit my parents in Florida during the summer, and uh, it was almost a problem. Well, well Florida's its own level of hell. Mm. Well, this episode, uh, Ian, is dropping on our two-year anniversary. Happy two-year anniversary. Happy two-year anniversary to you as well, David. And that's a major milestone for us because when we started this, we really didn't know uh, where it was going, how long it was going. You know, we didn't uh, have a uh, fully clear path. No, we didn't. I mean, I didn't know if it was going – I didn't know if anybody would listen. (laughs) You know, yeah. I thought there would be people. I sure didn't know it would be as many people that do listen. That That's what's blown my mind. No, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, really, I have to say up front here, and I'm sure we'll say it many times throughout, but just thank you to everybody that continues to tune in and comment and send us messages and emails and all kinds of stuff. We really appreciate it. appreciate every correspondence we get of people saying that, uh, you know, they listen to us on the regular. They, they love this. They love that. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for the people listening, this thing for sure wouldn't have gotten off the ground like it has. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, including some guests. You know, some uh, people participated in uh, so maybe some social media pushes we did to get certain people on or that kind of thing. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Get to when we had to get uh, Gorman on. Yeah, I mean, there's uh... hashtag get Steve on a Morka. You know what's so funny about that? So I had I had messaged him a couple of months before that. And, and just never heard back from him. And it's like, that's fine. If you don't want to come on, that's fine. And so then we did that hashtag, get Steve on a Morka. And I'll never forget this. My wife, I think it's when she was getting ready to start a new job. And I was going to surprise her when she came home with either a dinner or something. But I had to act like I was going to work. And so I got dressed, put my scrubs on like I was going to work and left. Well, I had like a two-hour window where I had to just find something to do until she left. And so uh, I was just driving around. And I stopped and went in a store, and I get a you know a Twitter alert, and it says direct message from Steve Gorman. I was like, man, what what world am I living in? You know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'd be glad to come on. And obviously, he came on, and uh, he's been uh, super nice and super friendly to us. I'm sure at some point we'll have him back on again. But yeah, that was kind of the first like pinch me moment. Yeah, and the nice thing with with Steve, uh, you know, I'm sure nobody realizes. Yeah, we had him on for that interview, but that's not where our relationship with Steve ended. You know, he's been very supportive of us throughout. So he's a one hundred percent class act, in my opinion. He is, and he doesn't the the things he's said to us since then, and you know, he does he does not have to take the time to do at all. No, and I wouldn't even expect him to, and he does, and he's he's I can't I can't thank Steve enough for that. Yeah, and then let's see. From there, we went on to have. Um, what was our next big domino to fall? Um, you no, know, it becomes such a mismatch. Uh, well, Steve Hyden was right after that. Yeah, yeah, we got Steve Hyden because of um, 
Steve Gorman, and man, he was fun. We stayed on the phone with him for an hour after we got done recording, talking music. Yeah, yeah, he was a he was a great guy. I love his books. I like his uh, latest book on uh, Radiohead's Kid A. I was hoping to have a chat with him about that, but I haven't uh, been able to reconnect with him. But still, I mean, that was a fantastic time to have him on, especially right around that time that book was coming out. Right, and then we started kind of having some of the um, the the ancillary people on, like Jeff Dunn and Charity and Mona and Drew Consalvo. You know, those are some of our more popular episodes because you're getting a different view of things. You know? Well, I mean, you know, Mona and Charity, those are going to be popular episodes just because they're just lovely people. Yeah. They're very nice to talk to and listen to. Yeah, if somebody has something negative to say about them, it says something about whoever's saying it. I don't think I want to be uh, associated with you if you have something negative to say about either one of them. So, And then we got... Um, kind of a big gift during the quarantine when we got a uh, brit turner and charlie star from blackberry smoke yeah which you know recently you know you uh you went to that blackberry smoke north mississippi all-stars double bill and uh you know you're able to uh shake hands with charlie and he kind of rem- you know remembered you there and that's great and you know and uh at which also you spend a little time with our very first guest on this show the one that i say opened the doors to yep. everybody else really uh somebody that you've become somewhat friends with since then uh, uh mr matt slocum i told him i said dude you're always gonna have a special place because you were our first person to interview he's coming on again sooner yeah, I mean, sooner rather than later but yes super super nice guy and then you know charlie and Britt. we went on to susan tedeschi which was just a pinch me moment for both of us susan tedeschi was right up there on the loveliness level of Mona and Charity. I'd have to say those are three most energetic guests, you know? Yeah, she was great. You know, we were her first interview in a long time Yeah, when we had her on. And, uh, I mean, had we not, you know, had she not have another interview right after us, I think we, she would have stayed on much longer and talked with us. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, she, they were very kind. I mean, every, fans of that band know that their sound guy, Bobby Tease, because uh, he's been with them a long time, and he's, you know, well-known in that circle and uh she had him come and and she actually recorded her tracks and sent them to us just to make sure that we had good stuff to work with which i I always thought was very sweet and let's see from there we got mark olson of the jayhawks he was super cool and his wife yeah yeah they were super cool and then uh we had rob clores and rob was rob was great man he's a great musician he's kind of a wealth of knowledge and rob clores likes and comments on most things that we put up since we interviewed him. And he's like a, he kind of is a, a silent champion of this program. And I appreciate that with him. He's, he was a great guy. He really was. And he's got an interesting story. Um, let's see. I'm trying not to forget people. After that, we had, uh, well, I guess kind of the next big one to fall after that would have been uh, Mark Ford. Yeah. Mark Ford was a tough get. That took a while. And uh, a lot of uh, frustration, you know. Yeah, he 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 couldn't have been nicer to us. Um, I think he uh, I think he was opened up more than he does on most other interviews. And if you listen to it, he voluntarily said at the end he would come on again. So I mean, yeah, no, it's I you know I get it. A lot of people when we ask them, there's there's a huge amount of apprehension to do this, and for a plethora of reasons, I, I, I you know behind the scenes things, and I get it. And uh, you know, I always feel like you plant the seed. You know, somewhere along the line, it might bear fruit, you know. And also forgot about our buddy Jimmy Ashurst. He was great. Jimmy Ashurst is so cool, man. I've, uh, I, you know, I became friends with him on social media following that. So I see a lot of things from him. He's just a cool guy. He does a lot of cool stuff. 
you know, he's just a, he's a true like rock and roll guy, you know. Yeah, he uh, he's a good guy. He's going to be on again too. Uh, he's mentioned he wants to come on. Let's see. And then our most recent one was Finn Pippian, uh, which was a uh, long time coming, and man, it it paid off. And he's he's about to overtake Mark Ford in the download department. He's about forty downloads away. Yeah, I uh, I checked it recently, and our our top three all time right now are Steve Gorman, Mark Ford, Sven Pippian in that order. Yeah. So, which I, you know, it's not surprising, but no, Sven couldn't have been nicer. And no, uh, I don't think any anyone is going to ever catch up to Steve. He's got a huge lead on every, every other. Well, it was episode. it was in Variety and in Rolling Stone. I mean, yeah, we had a little I mean, bit. Of, you know, it just so happened to come out the day that the brothers announced their tour. I know that was like a uh, a lightning strikes kind of moment that we had no idea, obviously. And what was so funny was, yeah, we literally didn't know until that morning that they were going to be on Stern. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I only worked a half. I went in like five in the morning that day and left at like 10 or whatever. And I remember I'm driving down the road and I get this text from me, dude, Rolling Stone. Are you kidding me? I'm like, what are you talking about? I see us on there. And then like this guy messages, he goes, Hey, I'm in Seattle, Washington, listening to the rock station here. They're talking about your podcast. And like, I'm steadily refreshing the download app and I'm just going, Oh boy. Oh boy. We're onto something yeah. here. And then it like showed up in variety and blabbermouth and, and all of that. And, that was a fun couple of days. You know, I had somebody message me somewhere or, or, or make some remarks somewhere alluding to the fact that, you know, Steve Gorman tipped us the wink on that and it was set up when we released it and timed out. I, I swear we had no idea that that was happening. No, because it was up to him when we were going to record it. And uh, he, when yeah. he when he originally agreed to come on, I think he was doing Trigger Hippie. And he's like, let's circle back in a couple of weeks. And it was like a Wednesday afternoon. I get a message from him. Hey, you want to do it this weekend? Yes. Yeah, because you're not going to say, oh, can we do it another time? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Your, your computer went dark about a minute before we were supposed to interview him. Oh, God. I was. That was the one time I couldn't like arrange the day off. So I was at work and I was using one of their you know, conference offices. And um, all of a sudden the... Uh, the internet just crapped out in that office like you know supposed to be this multimedia room and <laughs> and i couldn't get it going so I, I i if i remember correctly i ended up doing that on my phone with none yeah. of the equipment yeah i was like abort abort get on the phone yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that was a panic and a half at the last minute there yeah and then uh i don't know we've talked about this before and we've talked about it with other people the best thing about this podcast is the friendships we've all developed Yes, that was the next thing I was going to get to, too. I mean, you know, and, and I, I believe, you know, starting with Steve and Seth from the Americans. I mean, those are the first and, guys. And, and Dave Chamberlain was actually, and uh, Joe Boland. They were the first two. Yeah. I mean, you know, and you had had a, uh, you had been semi-friends with Dave Chamberlain mm -hmm. beforehand, right? Mm -hmm. Is that, do I remember right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Dave Chamberlain. I think he's a great guy. He's actually, uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite guys to talk music with. And uh, Yeah, we'll get to, we're going to get to meet him in a few weeks. That's right, yeah. For anybody that's uh, interested to know that, we will. There's uh, gigs coming up. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll we'll get into it in more detail on our next episode. Um, yes. Tell everybody about it and where to go and, and get tickets and all that stuff. But yeah, the friendships are are just are great. I mean, I talked to I talked to Steve Gleason like three or four times a week on the phone. I talk to you every day or every other day, and then we well, have, we are a special case. That's yeah. right. And then, uh, you know, we just have, you know, all our Jason Johannes, Seth Miller, of course, Kate, super fan Kate, you know, Brett Hogan, Brian Jones, 
Jeff Morton, you know, all these people that we um, that we interact with on a, on a personal level, not just about the Black Crows or anything. Yeah, and, and Brian and Jason, you know, they went off and did the uh, All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast, and that thing is fantastic. And, uh, you know, I'm so happy to see them having success with that. Man, they put out content. They may have more episodes out than we do. They do, or they're very close to it, and I, you know, I feel a little inadequate about that, but... Uh, what can you do? <laughs> It'll be okay. It takes a while to put these things out. It does. I'm like the uh, James Maynard Keenan of uh, podcasting. <laughs> Fifteen years in between podcasts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but yeah, the, the the and also the people that listen. I mean, obviously, this podcast wouldn't go anywhere without all of you. And we appreciate the social media interaction, uh, spreading the word. It's just it's much appreciated. And this thing's growing. It's grown faster than we could ever imagine. And there's some more big opportunities out there for us. I mean, this isn't, we're not just going to quit. Um, there's some more big opportunities waiting us. Oh, yeah. We have a few things in the can, as they say, right now, and a few things lined up and some big ideas that we're trying to bring to fruition. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we still got a long ways to go. So, uh, but this, I, this week I was thinking about it, uh, you know, just before we, we came on and everything. This is the fourth installment in our chat series hope people have been enjoying them thus far i know we've been enjoying doing them oh yeah good times man good times it uh kind of reminds me of some of our zoom hangs that we do yeah yeah it's also a good uh chance for you and i to do kind of a one-on-one thing you know yeah. sometimes uh you know we're having a lot of guests and things you know and I, I i wanted to ask your opinion on metal let's talk a little metal the pink Not floyd metal, album the pink floyd album no metal heavy metal as in heavy yes what um What's your like? What's your favorite metal album of all time? Master of Puppets. You didn't even hesitate. Mm-mm. And what what makes that so? I think the song Master of Puppets is just such a well recorded, well written, well played song. You have that breakdown in the middle, which gets me every time. The opening riffs, one of the most famous opening riffs. I mean, you hear that, you know what it is. I love the subject matter of it. The album cover is one of my favorite album covers of all time. I don't think there's a bad song on there. There's one that's close to being bad, but I'll put up with it. But the, the song Master Puppets is amazing. I love Welcome Home Sanitarium, Disposal, Disposable Heroes. Orion is a great instrumental. Leopard Messiah is just an awesome song. And I think it fits the balance between kind of what they were and where they were going to some extent not with injustice for all well maybe with injustice for all because master puppets is a really long song but to me it's enough to where if you're not just necessarily a huge thrash fan you can get behind it because i mean the song master of puppets you know has a great core big chorus and i don't know i've just i gravitate toward that one I'm not huge into, like, I don't like the Cookie Monster vocals that people do. You know, I don't like, you know, listening to Hail Satan and all that kind of stuff and the nihilism of a lot of it. And I think a lot of heavy metal is kind of silly, you know, how they sing about Vikings and, you know, (laughs) demons and just all this other stuff. And Metallica never has really done that. I find a lot of their lyrics especially early on, really poignant, especially when it comes to Injustice for All and Master of Puppets. But I never got into Iron Maiden. I respect them. I think they're tremendous musicians. I just never got into them. And I'll tell you what, I've I've noticed this since I started podcasting. 
listening to other podcasts, you can you almost cannot get me to go back and listen to a metal or hair metal band and get me to like them that I didn't like them when I was growing up. I'm never going to be like somebody's going, hey, you need to listen to L.A. Guns. No, I'm never going to like it, you know? The the one caveat to that would have been Megadeth. But I just, I don't know. It's something about that music that does not translate with me going back and listening to it like The Cure. Like, I got it, yeah, I told you, I got into The Cure during the quarantine, went back, got everything. I'm getting really big into Dinosaur Jr. right now. I'm, I'm going and getting everything. I've done that to some extent with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But metal... I just can't get into it. There is one new metal band, newer metal band that I've gotten into recently that I really like, and that's Gohira. But yeah, I'm sorry to ramble, but Master of Puppets, yeah. That's <laughs> that's, that's that's my favorite one. Sorry, I got a lot of word salad going on there. No, man, that's the whole point. It's interesting uh, to, to go back a minute, because you didn't mention the thing that should not be, so I hope that's not the song that you don't like. On that's that. the song I don't like. Really? Mm-hmm. Because I, 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 I like that. I agree with you, by the way. I think Master of Puppets is... My favorite, or at metal album, or at least the one I think best personifies a metal album. Mm-hmm. Um, it possibly could have been Injustice for All if that album was uh, was recorded better. It's just, yeah, I can't get past it. I can't. It really, even even as a kid when I didn't know things about sound and recording and things, it just didn't sound right to me. I mm-hmm. couldn't. I didn't know exactly what it, what it was mm-hmm. that wasn't right, but it never was right to me. And it really is a disservice to that album. And you know there. I've heard that James Hetfield say like the logic behind not remixing it or things like that is because people have come to you know for thirty years or whatever that's how it sounded and they don't want to now alter it. But I think that's a you put a it out as a to, do what REM did with Monster, put it out at re, yeah. put it out remastered and then remixed. If you don't want to listen, to, look Pearl Jam did that with Ten and it, like I'm not a huge Ten fan. I like a lot of everything else after that for the most part. Not a huge Ten fan. I know a lot of people just threw their phone out the window. But they remix that, and I will tell you this: the remix sounds a whole lot better than the original one. I like the remix on that. the 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 thing that Brendan O'Brien first did with that was he did a couple of tunes on that Rearview Mirror Greatest Hits. He remixed them. He remixed like Black and Once, and and took a lot of the sheen off of it. So I expected that with the Ten mm-hmm. remix, and the the one that ended up being released later wasn't quite as drastic. I would have liked it a little bit more drastic, like really bring it down to that like Vitology kind of sound, you know, really spare, you know. But um, but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right about about metal. I guess I guess really I'm not the best example of a metal fan because I'm I'm like a selective metal fan. Like I like certain things like people always tell me and I get it and it's been around forever. And there's certainly a lot of people that are into it. But like Slayer's Rain and Blood, I can't listen to it. I put it on. I I really try to delve into it. it. It doesn't resonate with me and a lot of metal doesn't resonate for me for for the same reasons you mentioned a lot of the the vocals are are not attractive um you know a lot of um a lot of stuff is heavy for heavy sake there's really like the thing about i like about metallica megadeth certain things like that is like there's those the riffs even though they're heavy are catchy mm-hmm. you know and a lot of metal is just grinding heavy stuff that it, once you've heard it and it's off you don't remember it you know that's that's what it's like for me yeah, but how how far back would you go to say like do you consider Black Sabbath metal? You know what I'm saying? Like do you go back as far as that, or is that more just heavy rock to you? I mean, I know everybody thinks that's heavy metal, but to me, it just sounds like kind of hard stoner rock. 
But that's but that's because we're looking back at the time. I'm sure that was like, whoa, what is this? You know. But I wasn't around in 1970 or whatever. You know, the first one came out. I think it's the framework for metal, but it's it, it's more just the riffs are very heavy, and it has a lot of metal imagery in it. Black Sabbath, you know the, mm-hmm. uh, you know like uh, War Pigs or even the song Black Sabbath. So that, the song Black Sabbath scares the hell out of me. It always did as a kid. It's still kind of. It's a, it it achieves yes and the cover yeah yeah I mean but they didn't Black Sabbath to me didn't really sound you know quote unquote metal until they got to the Dio stuff that to me sounds like metal if they came out now they would just be a rock band yeah and I'm gonna break our friend Steve Gleason's heart out there because I, I've never been fully able to get into the Dio Sabbath stuff I, I, I there's some of it that I think is really good but. I don't know. There's something about that original Black do you, Sabbath. Do you, do you hear that noise? Yeah. That's the car door, Steve. He's leaving New Hampshire and he's headed to Long Island. I know. He's I didn't say slap, I didn't like he, it. He's going to slap I you. Did. There's a difference between, and I, I think people make this mistake a lot, there's a difference between not liking something and not appreciating something. Like I, I appreciate the Dio Sabbath years, and I realize they have a popularity that's almost equivalent to the original Sabbath. It just doesn't do a lot for me. I like other stuff that Dio has done better. I like that song Mob Rules. Yeah, I mean there's a there's a, there's a couple of great tunes on there between those two albums, but I don't know, it just never it never really hit me in, in that way. You know, I'm sorry, Steve. I hope this doesn't ruin our friendship. <laughs> but I will tell you this though, metal fans are the most hardcore. They make Black Crows fans look like nothing. And then but I do th- I do feel bad for a lot of metal bands like they're not allowed to grow and we've talked about this on a previous chat but yeah. you know, they're not allowed to grow and metal fans can kind of be the worst for that because look what happened with um, look what happened with Megadeth after countdown to extinction you know they eventually had risk and people just absolutely can't take that that are hardcore Megadeth fans. See, the thing with that that always disappoints me is, like, if you like a band, you should be open to the the routes they take. And yeah. to me, it's interesting when a band keeps doing different things. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fine. But I think a lot of people dismissed Risk or Cryptic Writings, and in Metallica's case, dismissed Load and things like that, right out of hand, just because it wasn't – it didn't fit the narrative and the imagery and the, the whole package that they think metal should be. And that that's disappointing to me. Very much so. And I mean, a lot of times people correct themselves. I mean, the last Megadeth album is probably my third favorite Megadeth album of all time. The new guitar player, Kiko. But I mean, they went off the reservation there for a little bit. And they they came back. Metallica, Metallica's last two albums, I think, well, Death Magnetic, I think it's, it's mixed terribly. But I think that's a fantastic album. And Hardwired to Self Destruct, you mix it down to one album, you've got a strong album. And they've kind of gone back, spit out the bone. I mean, that's straight up thrash. That could fit on Master of Puppets. But yeah, now they're the one. But I tell you what about Metallica fans. They're loyal. They are. And they stuck through some stuff. <laughs> you know, what Load, Reload, St. Anger, and then the Lulu album. They hung with them. But I mean, they're, I was telling somebody the other day, they've become kind of the Jimmy Buffett of metal. And that going to see them is, it's an event. Like, I went to see them two years ago, and it's an event. Everybody gets there like two hours early. Jim Brewer does this, like, amazing show to get you pumped up. And they'll do things like they'll flashback and show them in the locker room, you know, in the dressing room and stuff like that. And 
they would play games. Jim Brewer would play games on the screen with people, and they would they would just you know he would be like a DJ and play like these classic metal songs. But it's so many families there, the children with their parents. There was a guy there that was seventy four years old, and you just you have all of these these people, and they're like they're bringing their families, and everybody's into it. And I was telling my wife, I was like, I think you she hates heavy metal but i'm like it was really she's like david i mean is the crowd rough and i go let me tell you what that's probably the safest i've ever felt at a concert you know everybody's just so into it it's like a big family kind of like going to see jimmy buffett and and it's just become a a, you know an an event i i mean that's perfect i think that's the best summation i've ever heard of that that they're the the metal jimmy buffett that's Mm -hmm. great because i mean not like in the vibe i know exactly what you mean like the, the hang before and all this stuff and it's like a it's a thing, you know. It's not just a show. It's like a, you know, an event, mm-hmm. you know, and that's great. I, I you know, I, I think it's become a cool thing to do to say the Black Album stinks or whatever. But I, I, anybody that can look me dead in the face and say the Black Album is terrible, I, I can't relate to you. I can't. I, I just can't. Not only are the songs great on that, it's recorded great. You know, the way Bob Rock did that, you know, say what you will about mm-hmm. Bob Rock. Bob Rock did a masterful job and for a long for a period of time he was one of the greatest producers out there he had uh, a hot know, hand yeah i mean uh, the, him and rick rubin now the stuff they do more recently i don't connect with as much but he was as much a member of metallica as as the other four well he played bass for him on stage yeah you know and it's his contributions to metallica you know throughout his run were immense but that black album i mean it's a classic you can't say that that's not a good album you just can't if you don't like it, that's fine, but you right. can't it, deny its impact. It's kind of like all the people that say they hate Def Leppard Hysteria, and I go, well, you all you all owned it because it sold 28 million copies. You know, same yeah, thing. I mean, if you go back and, and listen, like, yeah, Def Leppard's earlier stuff, like, especially especially their their first album in High and Dry, much heavier, much more straight-ahead mm-hmm. rock-oriented. But Hysteria, another one, another masterpiece of an album. You can't listen to that album and say, you know, if you don't like the production, I get it. It's the production is heavy on that. Like in terms of heavy, heavy meaning, there's a lot of production as opposed to it's not just set up the mics and record. Well, the goal was you to know. make it a hard rock version of Thriller, where every song could be released as a single. Right. I think I remember Joe Elliott saying like it was a greatest hits album in itself. Yeah. You know, and it, and it you know it really was. That, well, if I, that you go is, see them in concert, they play like seven songs off of it every show. Yeah. They I play mean, the entire is, first side. That kind of qualifies as that greatest hits in an album itself. I mean, there's I mean, there's quite a few other albums like that. I think the Cars first album is like that. Every song on that is pretty much a, a, a well-known Cars song. Rumors. I think, <laughs> yeah, rumors. I think the the Black album is like that. I mean, I don't know what uh, what other albums can you think of? 1984, maybe Van Halen. Back in Black? Yeah, Back in Black. I mean, almost the entirety of that album gets radio play, especially now. That first Boston album? Yes, yes, absolutely. That's another band that people love to you know, to hate, hate. but their, their first record is unbelievable. Second one, very good. You know, after that, it kind of fell off with them. But those, those first two, at least, are, you, know, you should really have those. But, you know, some other albums that have that kind of reputation to it. I think like Rush Moving Pictures is one that's kind of like the a hit. Every song's like a, a one you recognize, and I think every song's good. Uh, Stone Cold Pilots Purple, uh, U2's Joshua Tree. I mean, there's, there's quite a few. I mean, do you have any albums like that that you personally like really enjoy? Octung Baby, pretty much every song was a single. Yeah, that's true too, yeah. 
You two had a hot streak there for a while. They were like the biggest band going for, I would say, from like, you know, the end of the '80s, like through the early '90s. I would, I would say. Oh yeah, they were so good. They kind of, <laughs> they went experimental and messed up, but man, they came back with a vengeance with all that you can't leave behind. Yeah, I think that was the last album of theirs I, I kind of connected with. You know, I actually like that album better than Joshua Tree. And Jeff Morton's listening to this, and he just fell mm-hmm. over too. Yeah. We're killing our listeners today, Ian. I know. Just one by one, we're picking them off. Well, you notice the albums that we're saying all this about are like some of the best-selling albums of all time. Now, do you are you the type of person... I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Are you the type of person that... Do you think that if an album is successful, it can't be very good? Some people like shy oh, away from albums oh. that sell big because they think it's too mainstream or something. But like silly. sometimes... I mean, like, yo, pop records sell a lot of copies and stuff and those are pretty disposable but sometimes just a record that by a band that's normally like a you know a a rock band just crosses over and just hits with you know every type of listener and i think that's great well i would say like there's some definitely exceptions to the rule like uh creed um yeah but i mean for the most part i think that's true i mean there's a reason Hysteria sold as many albums as it did. There's a re- reason that you know Lincoln Lincoln Park that Hybrid Theory is the number one selling album of the of the century. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the Black Album is the best selling album of the SoundScan era. Now, like more recently, are there any like metal acts that you get into that are like you know aren't like the uh, the tried and true acts like Metallica and Megadeth and things like that? Are there any I've, newer I've, metal bands? I've really gotten into Gohira lately. They're a French yep. metal band. It's really interesting because mo- a lot of their lyrics kind of deal with like the environment, and then kind of like searching for positivity, in, you know, in a negative world. And uh, as they've gotten more along, the vocals have gotten cleaner and cleaner. But they're they're it's not stupid metal. Like it's not it's thinking man's metal. If that makes any sense. Another band that we talked about on other podcasts. People in so many different walks of life love is Mastodon. Like Jason Isbell tweets about liking them, you know, and most of their albums are concept albums. I've tried mm-hmm. getting into them. And at some point, a lot of their songs sound the same to me. And, and, and at times I have issues with how the songs are mixed, but uh, that's a band that people just absolutely love. I think the biggest challenge with metal, you know, whether it be classic metal or even new, it's like, it's it's a much harder endeavor, at least for me, to separate like the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. You know, like to 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 find the good stuff. You know, right? There's so much stuff that falls into that silly category, like you were saying. Yeah. So and and, and the Cookie Monster vocals have become more and more prominent. There's a and lo- a lot of those aren't even genuine. They're yeah. like, you know, uh, you know, through a through a. an effect kind of thing well there's a lot of metal that sonically sounds great to me until they people start you know like a like a monomar you know it's a viking viking metal band and the music sounds great until they start singing or what they call singing it's funny you mentioned that a friend of mine uh you know he's an artist and he got very into you know because his his background he has some Nordic roots, you know, mm-hmm. so he got into like doing a lot of Nordic based art. He makes actually like shields and swords now and things of cool stuff and the visuals are great. But so he started getting into this. Apparently there's a, like a sect of bands that that do like traditional Nordic based music, you know, and him and I have been friends for 30 years. So, you know, 
he, he knows the only person that he may ever have a shot at going to one of these things with him would be me. So I've been to a couple of these things. And, uh, man, that's, it's a weird vibe. It's a weird thing. I, I mean, the, and, and more power to him. The, these people were, were like diehard into them. I mean, showing up wearing, you know, the horned helmets and the, you know, the skins and things. And, right. And they, the bands take it seriously. I mean, their instruments are made out of like genuine animal skins for the drums and things. I mean, they really go all out, but I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. It was weird. I mean, have you ever heard any of that kind of thing? Or? Yeah, I mean, we have a uh, a festival here some, every now and then. I haven't seen it the last couple of years, but where it's some stuff like that. I just never have. You know, Richie Blackmore got into a lot of that medieval music. You know, he completely walked away from rock and roll. And got it. I mean, hey, to each his, own, each his own. There's a niche for everything, as you know, we've proven with the Black Crows podcast. Yeah, when he was doing that Blackmore's Night thing. I worked in a record store at the time, and by half an hour, I missed him coming in with Candace Knight, the two of them, and dropping off a couple copies of the album and the poster because they were playing in the in the area. I missed meeting Richie Blackmore by a half hour, and that's think who's the who's the most famous person you've ever met talked to? I guess it'd probably be Rich Robinson. I think that's I, I you know I have a hard time too remembering you know off the top of my head people I've interacted. You know I met Louis Black, Louis Black, the comedian. He's mm-hmm. he's fairly famous. I, you know I met him. In a club, when, you know, after the show one time. I'm trying to think of, I don't know, how about you? Uh, I met Mickey Mantle when I was young. That's, that's huge. And I've met Morgan Freeman a few times. That's great that you have him, like, narrate something for you. Cause, you know, no, like, he, he, he lives where I grew up. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he moved back there in, like, when I was, like, a sophomore in high school. And uh, he's from the Mississippi Delta, and he moved back there and built a huge mansion and um he said one of the reasons he moved back there was people leave him alone and uh when he first moved back it was kind of a big deal and it, right when he first moved back was after they'd filmed unforgiven and mm. a friend of mine was on the way to school and he goes man he goes i was at a stop sign i looked over there and it's a truck and it's morgan freeman and clint eastwood in it and uh <laughs> clint eastwood had he had come over and went i think duck hunting with morgan freeman yeah i've met him met him um a few times and like people just leave him. It was not uncommon just to see him walking down the street. You know, he, he honestly, he's a country boy at heart. Um, that's great. Super nice. And, and he still lives around there and, um, you know, he does a lot for the area. Uh, let's see. I talked to Bill Clinton one time, but he didn't speak back to me. If that, if that counts. When I was in high school, we were going on a, uh, just a weekend trip before I left for college to hot springs, Arkansas, which is where Bill Clinton's from. And, they have these really nice old hotels. It's a pretty cool place. And uh, we had a room booked at, I think it's called the Arlington. And a week or two beforehand, they called and told my mom, you know, we're going to have to cancel your booking, but we have found you a, a, you know, a hotel across the street. My mom said, sure, that's fine. Turns out it was Bill Clinton's was coming back for his high school. This was in 94. He's coming back for his high school reunion. And the, the, they had, he had rented out the whole hotels. I guess the Secret Service did. So I got up the first morning to go get some breakfast. My parents and everybody were still asleep. So I walked down on the street and was walking down trying to find a diner. And all of a sudden, these black SUVs and these men running just come flying around the corner. And uh, there was some secret and they some secret service guys, you know, that were ahead of them. And they just said, you need to stop and, st- and stand still just for a minute. The president's coming through. And it was him going on a jog. 
And so, really? yeah, so he probably came within 20, 30 feet of me. And I, I yelled something at him. He didn't, you know, he didn't respond. Um, let's see, who else have I met? It's really weird where I work is right by our airport. And four different times I have gotten stu- stopped because of like a motorcade or whatever. And every time I've been like the first per- like car that they stopped. So last year, Michelle Obama drove past me. <laughs> Donald Trump drove past me one time. The kind of the coolest one, I guess, was a couple of years ago because I guess he doesn't have a massive Secret Service detail. But I was leaving work and I was at the red light and I was about to get on the interstate and a couple of SUVs come. They didn't have really have a police escort, but you can know it was something. And they stop at a red light and I look over there and the window wasn't tinted. It was George W. Bush texting on his that's, phone. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, see, like for me, like uh, I've met a good quality of people, meaning. For me, they were really big deals for me to meet them. Like, you know, a lot of comedians I've met, and I'm very, I'm very big into stand-up comedy and things, you know, so a lot of guys, you know, that maybe not necessarily everybody knows, but I met them, and that meant something to me. You know, like, um, you know, Jim Norton yeah. and uh, Robert Kelly, um, Rich Voss I've met. Um, and then on a bigger scale, like I went with my father to see um, Robert Klein. My father's a very big fan of Robert Klein, and when, so when I was a kid, I used to play Robert Klein's albums because my father had them. Right. So then we were both fans, and I, I I took my dad to a Robert Klein, you know, show at a club, a little club here. He was just doing, you know, a small place, and I said, Dad, I really think you should bring your albums with you, <laughs> and 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 you know, he had these albums with him through the whole show, and then at the end, he was signing books out there, so he signed a book. And my father said, "Do you think you could sign this album for me?" And you know, it was cool for him because. Not only did Robert Klein take it, he took it, he was looking at it, he looked inside, and he's like, oh, I want to see if it still has the poster in it and all this stuff. And it was like a nice interaction that my father got to have with Robert Klein because he brought those albums. So well, that's that cool. Was cool. That's cool yeah. when you get to have those, those, you know, those moments. Yeah. Um, I've met a lot of, ba- a lot of baseball players. Oh, uh, at, when she was at the height of her popularity, I sat probably 15 or 20 rows from uh, Ashley Judd. At an, Ole oh, Miss, yeah? at an Ole Miss Kentucky basketball game, she's a huge Kentucky basketball fan. Went to see the Memphis Grizzlies one time, and I was sitting right below the club seats. And Cameron Diaz and Justin Timberlake were there, kind of at the height of their of their. It's thing. interesting when 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 you see somebody like that and you're not expecting to. Like I remember when I was at the Rose Hall Theater, Brothers of a Feather show. It was one of the three mm-hmm. in New York City, and I only went to the one. I went to the the one at Rose Hall, and I was my father. It was, I was with my father. And we were, um, you know, just going to our seats, and there was like, you know, a, a, a backup of people trying to get in. So you know, I was just standing still in the aisle, and I just turned to my right, and I'm standing next to Billy Gibbons. That's what you say. Like, re- you say he's really short. Yeah, he's he's much shorter than I thought. Uh, you know, not as as a slight against him. You, you, you just not sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't realize, you know. And I I, I like nudged my dad. I'm like, there's Billy Gibbons over there. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't I didn't talk to him because I didn't want to, you know, disturb him because he clearly was there just to watch the show you know right yeah yeah that's that's cool when you get to like i was i technically kind of bumped into greg almond one time and didn't talk to him that was kind of cool but yeah i've my wife went to the first ever presidential debate between john mccain and barack obama really that's yeah cool. yeah it was at old miss and they only let a hundred students go and she won like the the raffle or lottery or whatever and got to go and so she's got like she met everybody because she said it was just a who's who of you know news people like katie couric and all these people i got within about 15 or 20 feet of adam sandler in college 
Yeah. Well, he um, played in college. Yeah, he did. And then my fraternity brother was the head of the student programming board, which actually put the show on. And so after the show, he goes, um, he's, he, he hung out with him earlier that day. And he goes, I know where he's staying. Do you want to just ride over there? And so we rode over to the hotel and he was just standing out front talking to some people. But I didn't go up and, and then, uh, I, this was kind of cool. They were filming a movie in Oxford and all of a sudden we look up and Woody Harrelson is just walking down fraternity row and he was a Sigma Chi and he went to the Sigma Chi house and got those guys and they went and played basketball on the bas- at the Coliseum. See, if I if I see you know uh, someone from a band or something out in in public just doing their thing, like I'm always very hesitant to to draw attention to them or anything like that because they're not they're not in a setting where they're meant to be right recognized and 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 do things. You know, it's like their off time. You know, I feel kind of guilty. You know, I mean, if it was, I guess if it was somebody like you know, I absolutely had to, but you know, just I I, I don't like to do that normally. I was in grad school at the same time with Eli Manning, and uh, we had we had several mutual friends. And I was walking into the pharmacy school building one time, and he was walking in at the same time, and he looked completely lost. And I think he like walked in the and my buddy that was with me was a was a fraternity brother of his, and he goes, "What are you doing in here? It's just for the smart people." <laughs> something like that. And he was like, "I'm looking for such and such," but uh, I guess that's about it. All right, man. So that's been another. Yeah. Uh, Another fun little chat. We kind of diverted from uh, music a little bit there, but uh, it's great, man. It's our I, show. We can do what we want to. We can. I love doing these things. To all the people out there that listen and and download and, and, and share our stuff, we really appreciate it, and we couldn't do this without you. That is absolutely true. And, uh, you know, I, I do want to say, too, that if you do happen to message us or send us something we don't get back to you right away, we, we will, as David can well attest. Sometimes I'm a little social media inept so i don't see things right away or things like that but uh, you know we do appreciate every single message that comes in and we read everything and try to respond to everything personally so thank you to everybody who continues to do that and continues to listen well ian happy two-year anniversary you too david i look forward to three and four and five and however far we take this and i know this is state of a market chats and normally we don't play out with uh black crows music but i've just i've got to do it yeah man Let's do No Speak, No Slay from the Highs the Moon Tour. You got it. All right, everybody. We will see you soon with a uh, regular episode. Take care. (laughs) 